0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Up The Vibe, and today I'm joined by Ashton Forbes, who I discovered last year on various podcasts discussing the, discussing the flight MH370, which went missing mysteriously in 2014. I've since followed Ashton regularly on his many live streams and posts on X. Hi Ashton, how are you doing today?
1: Hey Joseph, how's he, how are you doing? I'm doing great.
0: Thank you for joining the podcast, and... Yeah. Um, I wanted to say that uh, I've been watching you a lot and I think you're a fantastic investigator. You've got a really good scientific mind and I really enjoy your analysis. Um, but before we talk a bit more about that, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got involved into this uh, this mystery of the MH370 case?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that I consider myself just to be like a pretty normal person um you know i not anybody special i don't consider myself any kind of celebrity or anything like that but uh, i came across these videos on social media back in august um my background has been in healthcare it my whole life which has been very analytical computer focused in general um you know i chose healthcare because i just wanted a field where i could help out a lot of people um and i've enjoyed you know the many years that i've been doing that but uh, these videos, I got interested in like UFOlogy and unusual, you know, like these UFO videos back when the DOD declassified those FLIR videos, those uh, um, forward-looking infrared videos back in 2017, 2018, I think was when the New York Times did their article about it. And that's when I thought, oh, wow, maybe there's like some real evidence here somewhere related to some of this stuff. Um, but I've mostly just been a lurker. Like I never posted about any of this stuff before. I just watched videos, never really saw any that were super compelling until I got to the MH370 videos. And that's when I saw what I think are the best UFO videos of all time. And I use air quotes there because I personally, from the investigation, don't think that we're looking at aliens. I don't think we need non-human intelligence to explain anything we see in the videos. Um, Even though I will admit that early on when I was doing my investigation, I thought this has to be alien technology because it just seems so advanced, right? Um, And I think that just from the listener's perspective, you know, people will look at these videos and they will go, that's impossible. There's no way that we can disappear 777. Like, it's just not there, right? And I will say, I, I am right there with you. I early on did not think it was possible either. But as the investigation has unfolded, you know, I told myself early on, if these videos are real, we should be able to uh, verify every aspect of the videos. And even before I started getting really directly involved, the community, the social media community was already verifying a lot of the aspects of it. And it got to the point where people were proving that it was like a Citrix session logged into a database and the satellite video, where I was like, okay, now we've got enough evidence where like, wow, people should be paying attention to this. And that's when I started getting involved, started blasting information, the topic got censored from some really lazy debunks early on that people just went, okay, we're just going to ignore this now. Like we've got one similar frame to some nineties video game effect that requires a whole bunch of editing to get it to look mm-hmm. the same. And that was enough for a lot of people to stop looking, but not for me. Um, And I would say that at this point we've got, uh, this sounds a little bit uh, like a bold claim, but I think we have probably as much, if not more evidence than basically any court case in the history of the world, right? Like we've got, two videos that are in perfect synchronization that are filmed from military classified assets. There's satellite coordinates that indicate the real location of the plane when it was in the Nicobar Islands, which was not even... The raw data wasn't even available and leaked to the public until a week after the videos were posted to the public in 2014. Um, We've got 19 witnesses that corroborate a fire event, which has been basically just discarded and ignored over this idea that it was some kind of suicidal pilot flying and crashing into the ocean. And we've got no debris field and like no data that supports this idea that a plane crashed into the ocean. This is a giant plane. So um, that's kind of how I got involved in this and looking forward to talking with you in terms of any questions and details you want to know about.
0: Sure. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating um, case. And now maybe you could talk, talk a little bit more about the videos themselves for anyone who might not have seen them, because from my perspective, um the they what they show is, um, maybe you can describe it better, but three orbs that sort of appear what looks like from the ocean, then in Yeah, would you like planes. me to share the videos? Um, yeah, if you can. I mean, some of the people will be listening, but of course, for okay. those watching, yeah,
1: I can kind of explain as well. Um, yeah. so I'll I'll start out with, um, I'm gonna pull up this uh, satellite video here. Um, it's called satellite video. Oh, the screen sharing is not enabled at the moment. But, oh, me. Um, so. Yeah, let's get that posted up here.
0: Do you have ability now? Let me try. Yeah, there we go. OK,
1: so let's do this. OK, so in our satellite video here, uh, we see this plane coming in and it looks like we are looking down from a very far distance. The plane is very small in this case now. Um, We were able to figure out that this satellite video that we're looking at here, which is in white and blue, but very bright white here. A lot of people think that we're looking at some illumination from the sun, but we've determined that the military has capability to make nighttime look like daytime in the videos. Uh, We've actually found equivalent videos that look like this as well. They're at nighttime and uh we can see this plane turning right away and we can see this smoke trail coming from behind it Mm -hmm. now why is this important because we can see these cumulus clouds in the background which are these very low altitude clouds and uh, contrails only form at very high altitudes. So a lot of people have tried to debunk these videos and said, oh, well, contrails don't look like that or whatever, but they're, they're not even contrails. We know for sure, because it's the altitudes too low. So this just kind of goes to the low quality of, a, of how a lot of these debunkers think, like they don't even use logic and reason, unfortunately. Um, and so it could be exhaust, but it, it's much more likely to be smoke because it coincides with a witness who was in this same area at the time when the, the, we think these videos are being are taken. Now in the bottom left, um, you can see there are satellite coordinates. Um, it may be hard to see over the overlay here, but it says NROL 22. Yeah. The debunks that are out there by Newsweek and France 24 are both objectively wrong. The only fact that they even have in them is they try to claim it says NROL 33, but we can tell because we can see a 93 over to the right that this is not threes; these are twos. Yeah. So it goes to show you that even like the media uh, is is literally posting disinformation to try to get people to ignore the videos. The only fact that they have in their debunk is incorrect. Um, And they try to claim that it's 33 because 33 was not sent into outer space until 2015 or late 2014. And so they're trying to argue that, oh, it can't be that. Therefore, it has to be fake. But NRL-22 was actually shot up in 2006. And Mm -hmm. it turns out that was the first uh, payload for something called the SIBR system, space-based infrared system. And that's what we think we're actually looking at here. So all of the pieces start to fall into place. Um, and Sibbers as well, I just want for people to understand what satellite video is and how it works is it's possible that we could be looking through satellites, but in 2024, especially with low Earth orbit satellites, they move too quickly to do that. So instead what you have is you have a ground-based computer system that pulls data from these satellites that is building what we believe to be a Google Video Earth 3 uh, playback. So in, think of Google Earth where you can look around and you can look at pictures of anything. Now imagine that in video where you can do video playback of any time that you ever wanted to. That's what we think we're looking at here.
0: So and saying that this is like a stitch together of multiple feeds to become a, like a, a 3D playback, or are you say Yeah, and, and not thing? even just
1: that. When you look at the Sibbers video, the scans that Sibbers is doing with these satellites are huge, like Sweet. thousands of miles wide. So it's not even like they have to stitch it together. Like okay. theoretically yes they would stitch it together so that you can look at the whole globe, but Sibbers is actually scanning the entire globe every 10 seconds. And then it has something called stares on these satellites where they can stare at specific locations as well for higher resolution. Okay. And they've incorporated low earth orbit and medium earth orbit satellites as well. So and and some of this stuff like you there is nothing to compare it to out there. The only thing that's even close is this Trump satellite picture that he posted in 2019 that shows relatively similar capabilities to what we see here, but it's just one image. Okay. Satellite images are as well guarded as nuclear like weapon codes are. Um, so we've had to deduce a lot of this. But if you like Google Sibbers, you can find videos of it. You can ask AI and it'll teach you that um, these systems can be used to track planes. Okay. Um, so let's keep going here. So we see this plane turning here, and this turn, and we'll, as we'll see in the second video, there's two perfectly in sync videos from different angles. Uh, this is actually like maxing out the capabilities of a seven 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 two hundred while in descent. If this was not descending, this would actually be doing more than what we think is capable for a seven seven seven. This is important because if somebody hoax these videos, now they have to understand how a seven this capabilities of a seven 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 two hundred. And they have to scale it down because what we see here is this very small image of it, right? So this is all very complex. Are there complex. any
0: artifacts among, in, the, in the plane itself that tell you that this is MH370? Or is it just the fact that um, it's a the same type of plane at the at that time?
1: Um. Yeah, same type of plane, same time. The thermal video is exact overlay of the plane um as well as when this video is posted if you look at the metadata in it in 2014 when this was posted by regicide anon on may 19th 2014 okay. uh we found that in the wayback machine that's the earliest post we can find of it it may be older but that's as early this as we can five, find
0: is this five days after the incident so yeah.
1: it says in the uh description that it was received March 12th, 2014, which is four days after the plane went okay, missing, yes, four so. or five days, yeah. but that just, that's a description. So we don't have absolute proof that it was received then. However, if you think the videos were fake, then you have to under, you have to come up with an explanation for why Regicide Anon is lying. Like, are they the person that faked them or, or what, right? Otherwise they don't have any incentive to lie about when they received it. The published date we know is May 19th, 2014. And that is about 70 days after. But this is still one week before the telemetry data was released on CNN on a 47-page report. Sure. So before that, it was like you, we just had like a guess as to where the plane it was, not like we didn't have all the raw data. And yet we see these coordinates down on the bottom left indicate the Nicobar Islands, which is Nicobar where the plane Island, was yeah. actually at. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if the person was a precog or if they were somebody who was like, you know in this independent group, It you, know, a, you start to realize there's a lot of requirements to fake these videos. Now yes. we also see this mouse here. This is where I'm talking about the Citrix session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, This mouse here is at 24 frames per second, which is consistent with a Citrix session logged into a database remotely. And the background is six frames per second. So why would a hoaxer be faking in a fake Citrix session into their hoax video? This is a lot of details already and we're only a few minutes into this. Mm-hmm. And the mouse comes from off the screen as well, which indicates that this is not like the whole monitor that we're looking at. It goes much wider than this up to the top right and to the bottom left it's not like it even came off the side of the screen from the left or right where it's side by side monitors like there's a clearly a much bigger field of view that's being cropped and why is that important because there's a drone somewhere here just north on the screen here and that's where the second video comes from that corroborates the first video
0: so this is a Citrix session is, is someone recording the Citrix section itself exactly yeah
1: And so, and this is one of the things you realize too, I haven't really talked about this that much on recent podcasts, but um, it's not like somebody's got their phone here, right? And they are recording it from behind the screen, right? And it's not, they don't have a camera behind them or anything either. They're literally doing a screen recording here, which means that (laughs) this person's getting caught, right? Like they're not, if you're logged into a Citrix session, this gets leaked out of the public, the government sees this, they are gonna find you probably pretty quickly as well, I would imagine. So There's no way this person is getting away non with
0: it. Is so anonymous, Do you, I mean, we we don't. Know well, so
1: means. the thing is, we don't think Regicide and Non is the person that leaked it. We think they're the person who found it. One of the people that found it. Other people have posted the videos as well, and we found that there are higher quality versions that were posted by different people later on, and that would indicate since you can't create a higher quality version from a lower quality video, that this neither of them are potentially the leaker. And why is that important? Because now the whole idea of Regicide and Non lying about when they received the footage comes into question. If you're going to say, oh, Regicide and On is the hoaxer, then why did they post a lower quality version of the video than other people posted later on, mm-hmm. right? So there's already a ton of information that basically gives us a pretty weird feeling that this is going to be legitimate. Yeah. So now, yeah. we see this first orb come in really high rate of speed here, like really, really high rate of speed. We've uh, been able to look at the pixels and match compared to the plane. The speed of the plane is about 150, 200 miles an hour, which you might say is slow, but it's turning. So like if you're in a car you, you turn down, you slow down when you're turning. Mm. This orb is moving to like 2000 miles an hour. So this orb is, um, really defined physics, not really defined physics, but what we have going on here is there's a non-radiating barrier. That's, uh, so, you know, so, um, uh, separating this orb from space time itself, which is how it's able to float freely, how it's able to maneuver at such high rates of speed, um, as opposed to conventional aircraft, which would be not be able to battle the force of friction here in this case. And you see right away it starts circling the plane but it's like it, it's trying to like lock in almost where it doesn't it circles it on the side and then it locks in right away mm-hmm. and then you'll see the second orb right where my mouse is here you're going to see an orb appear in about a second and it's going to shoot to the bottom left very faintly and then come up through this cloud here as if it's coming out of the water so we've speculated the second one might be coming from a submarine or some kind of water-based system but from talking to scientists and engineers um, about plasmoids and ex- exotic vacuum objects These could also be just self-sustaining like plat balls of plasma that can operate for days. So we're not exactly sure what's going on here, other than you can see in a second, this orb appear. There it goes, you can see it, and now it comes up to the cloud and right away, it enters a uh, a 120 degree sinusoidal formation. It's forming two sides of an equilateral triangle, and we're going to see the third orb come in. And it's like the second and third orbs have no problem locking into the plane. So, if the first orb somehow got them in a position, then the other ones are locking in right away. This is another really, really specific detail that if somebody's hoaxing this, people have tried to recreate it. And even when they copy the background, copy the coordinates, copy the mouse movements, and they use like other uh, stock frames for the, the plane and the orbs, it, it looks completely fake right away. Like these videos pass the, the eye test and sniff test in ways that nobody's recreations have even come even close. Mm-hmm. Now the third orb comes in and right away locks into place in this triangle formation, and once it does, it starts this uh, this pattern. Now we're not exactly sure what the pattern is doing here. This pattern is spinning around the plane, circling the plane in a sphere pattern. So like my guess would be that it's mapping it somehow to try to figure out exactly what the density, you know, the the center point of mass is for what they're going to do to the plane here in a second. And after it gets to the, this cloud here in a second. The pattern changes and it becomes a ring formation around the plane. So it's almost like they they maybe they're you know mapping the plane here. And this is too where a part where like there's no way that this is like humans or even little aliens inside these orbs, because yeah. the pattern is too exact. People early on map this on a graph and it's a perfect sinusoidal pattern, which is a wave pattern. Mm-hmm. It's a 120 degree sinusoidal pattern, which is apparently consistent with. I think like 440 volt electrical engineering patterns. So now this person's got to have like understanding of engineering, physics, VFX, uh, electrical, uh, electrical engineering, uh, and you know, all these different requirements. Um, now the perspective changes a number of times people go, why aren't the clouds moving? Well, first of all, if you guys go look out at the clouds outside, uh, you're not going to see those clouds move over a five-second period, right? They're going to look like they're stationary, but you know they're not They're not stationary. Keep in mind, if this is a set from satellite data, that's uh, at least 1,100 kilometers away, which is much further than the clouds that you're looking at outside is. So it would make sense why there'd be very little movement, but there actually is movement. We've proven 100% unequivocally, even though for some reason, debunkers keep lying about this, saying the, they're not moving. We've literally proven... These clouds here at the bottom of the screen are shifting up and down a little bit. And we can see, depending on where you kind of skip back and forth over these five-second periods, you can see certain parts of the clouds evolve as well, which is not just movement, but actually like evolving, like mm-hmm. widening out or shrinking in a little bit as well. Um, and this, this rules out any type of 2D visual effect background being used. I think that one of the debunks was they claimed they found a picture that had the, the, the clouds in them. But we've already we had ruled that out before that debunk even came up, um, because there's also a second video, meaning that you would need a 3D rendered environment to produce two different perfectly in sync angles that are needed, one from up above and one from horizontal across from the other direction. And the skeptics say, well, oh, they superimposed the picture and then they added visual effects to make it evolving and moving clouds, and then. For some reason, they somehow then incorporated that into a 3D model so they could get it right on the second version of the video. It's just, it's not sensical at all. Like if you were making this from a 3D model, you're going to make 3D rendered clouds. And then you're going to take angle from one shot and angle from another. Um, so when we get to this part here, that now the orbs are in this ring formation around the plane, spinning around it. Some people have argued, oh, they're not moving or they think there's weird movement. It's just because there's a low frame oh, they're rate.
0: They're faster as well.
1: Now, that's a good point, I, and I'm glad you brought that up. They actually get slower oh. here near the end, weirdly. Um, right actually about where we have the, the screen now. So it's, I think it's hard to see in the full normal speed version. This is a detail that was only brought up like a week ago. Right, right here, they slow down a little bit. You can almost right. see them slow down a little and bit. And it
0: vanishes, yeah.
1: And then the plane just vanishes in this not very huge zap. It's a pretty small zap, but you see the, the flash. Yeah. It kind the of flash here accurately the illuminates the clouds in the yeah. foreground and the background.
0: And that's how this to, was a, really hard to fake, right? <laughs> yeah, this is one of the details. When
1: I saw this very early on, I went, "Oh boy!" Like the whole thing is real because I was thinking, like maybe they somehow faked the zap, right? Mm. But if this is a f- accurately illuminating flash, illuminating these clouds in the foreground and background, again, this proves these clouds are 3D, yeah. uh, volumetric. No, I think and... it,
0: it, it might be the other video, but they they managed to find an old VFX um, <laughs> <Yeah>. zap. <laughs> That, yeah, we'll uh, talk
1: about that in a second as well. Yeah. And I've got various things that video, I'll, it, I'll yeah. show how they lied to try to make people think that these things match when they don't really match. It's, it's honestly scary how much the skeptics and debunkers are willing to falsify fake debunks in order to make things go away. Like, it makes me question we'll, we'll their motives them in them general. Them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so anyway, this zap here now it accurately illuminates the clouds and then the plane's just gone. And now the the user who's doing the screen recording moves the screen to the right to show us this plane's not hidden over here somewhere else and that the smoke trail just stops. Now, if this smoke trail kept going, I'd say, oh, well, they cloaked the plane somehow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if that zap was bigger, I'd say, okay, they, they annihilated the plane. But the fact that the zap is so small means that this plane is actually just being teleported somehow. Like there's a phase transition going on here. Or if you want to think of it as like Star Trek warp drive, like an Alcubierre mm-hmm. drive, where space-time Crazy. itself is being warped, and the plane is moving, uh, from our relative perspective, faster than the speed of light. And the frames are six explain, frames per second.
0: Can you explain why there is a flash? What What is creating that?
1: Left. So that's one of the common questions I get. I think that the way I've described it is that the, uh, the particles in the area are being energized, but I think there's probably a more scientific explanation. I just don't adequately understand. Like I'm trying to learn electrical engineering, over you know, these past <laughs> few months to be yeah. able to describe and explain a lot of this myself, when I've asked this question to the scientists and engineers, like they're a little bit coy about it as if like explaining that would give away something very important, uh, regarding like national security or how this works in general. Um, But yeah, so to be perfectly honest, not 100% sure. Uh, But you know, it must have something to do with this type of phase transition state that we see happening here. Other people also ask, well, why is it white? Why is it Mm flashing? Like it looks like it's hot here, and the. And this is also going to be somewhat speculative, but the sentient system is for tracking planes and missiles. So it's got a little bit of a different purpose than the thermal video we're going to look at from the drone here where the, the drone video and the thermals for intelligence purposes to see a lot of details. This is really for tracking objects in general. So we think we're looking at here as a false color IR. So it's technically infrared spectrum, but they can make the colors however they want uh, versus like if you were to see this as black, it wouldn't give you the same information as if you're seeing it as a white event here. Um, and so that's why we're, we're also probably why it looks like it's daytime when it's actually nighttime here is that they can just paint this as a false color IR because it's a computer program. And that computer program is also consistent with the idea of why it's six frames per second, because it's rendering a huge field of view, bigger than what we see here. This is just a cropped field of view mm-hmm. and it's pulling data in real time from these satellites in order to produce this. Okay. So. Let's look at the second video. Same exact. Now we're looking from the opposite side. So both videos have the plane turning to the left. But keep in mind, some people will say they think they're backwards, but it's because one of them is looking down from one side and the other one's looking across at a horizontal angle. So one's looking down from the other side. Yes, this is the drone. You can tell it's a drone because we can see the the nose right here, right? And we're not sure if this is the wing or if this is the camera housing of the drone but we have found mq1c gray eagles that have cameras loaded underneath the wings just like this as well because people argue well no the cameras underneath the drone of the nose yeah. a lot of them are but there are loadouts where they have aerial surveillance package we've proven all that as well basically every single thing that debunkers have tried to say doesn't look right we've looked into and turns out it's it's real like also the color here this is like the original color for these videos when you see them in black and white, that's when they've actually changed the, the color spectrum for it. Um, and there's, a, it's literally just a matter of going into these Raytheon cameras and going through the software and you can flip the colors. Now, we don't know what the heat uh, ranges are. There's no way to tell. We can tell that they removed the HUD data here as well in the drone video. The HUD data has all been removed. So the only way I would have even known this is a drone video, though, is because we had seen those FLIR videos from 2017, 2018 that were declassified. Um, otherwise I would have had no idea. And just fun fact, I saw this video in 2014 and back in 2014, I had no idea that this could be real, right? Like that's what I think is an interesting aspect of this case is like, it may only be now in 2024 where we have enough or in 2023, we have enough scientific understanding, understanding of satellites, understanding of drone video and footage in the public zeitgeist to be able to understand this footage to be real. Okay. um
0: so you've you've seen this in 2014 so and uh yeah and a lot of people did too i get occasionally mes-
1: yeah <laughs> i get occasionally messages being like oh i saw this in 2014 as well because some people will say oh well like it, you know how do we know they're really from 2014 well we've proven it in multiple ways the wayback machine there's old like reddit posts from months and, and like a year afterwards talking about the videos hmm. other people posted the videos a lot of people inde- independently saw them as well uh, but this was well before I even like believed UFOs could be real. So I just thought must be video games, right? <laughs> and now I look at it again. I'm like, well, this is, doesn't look like any video game I've ever seen. Um, and now this this footage is going to have a lot more details to it. So first of all, the camera it actually starts to shake a little bit, which is consistent with um, some like stabilization here and going through the wake of the plane as well as just minor turbulence. Now, these drones are very stable. And so people argue, oh, there should be more turbulence if it goes through here. But there's no scientific basis for that. Um, I've looked at drone videos that are even closer to the ground. that have much higher winds hitting them, and they, they barely shake. So, um, so the shake here we see is accurate to what we would expect. Um, we also think that we're looking at nighttime here again because of all this uh, interference that we're seeing here in the camera. It
0: seems very deliberate to look for that. So it's, it's, is it being yeah. manned by human at the moment? That's oh, yeah.
1: This is definitely a manual tracking of the plane. You can see the plane is clearly being manually tracked by somebody. This is not auto tracking at all. It goes off the screen several times. And when it zooms in, the amount of shake increases. Just like if you were to zoom in on your, on your phone or your, your camera, when you're staring at something far away, it's going to shake more and more as well. So even that's accurate. Um, and weirdly, the Domenkers try to argue that that's like, what do they say, the jittery contrails? And it's like clearly just because they've zoomed in more, the camera is shaking more. And this just again goes to show how like dishonest a lot of people just have to like rationalize real things to be fake. It's really bizarre to me. So like, here they say like, oh, the contrails are jittering, but they're not. It's literally just the camera shaking. And we know because we have a second video that shows the contra- the the smoke, it's not even contrails, uh, accurately. Um, now, when the orbs come in this video, this is where you see the real magic. You can see these black lines around the orbs. They're actually in front of the orbs. Um, I'll switch over to show there's a color change version. Now, we manually change this version, but you can see the lines more clearly in this version that they're actually in front of the orbs leading them forward. Like no doubt, these are in front of the orbs. This is pulling them forward. They're both ignoring gravity and they're using maybe a secondary type of gravity engine to pull themselves forward, mm-hmm. creating their own geodesics, creating this cold spot in the air in space-time that's yanking them forward. This is consistent with Salvatore Pius's high-frequency gravitational wave generator. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suggest you guys check that out if you're interested in it. He was the first person I spoke to on my Hard Truths podcast. So we see the same pattern. We see them moving around. We see the heat signature in the dr- in the orbs as well. This is where Bob Green here talks about toroidal moments and fractal toroids, which are a particular shape that we think allows for all of this stuff to happen, creating uh, very specific pointing vectors in the magnetic fields. You can see this, this heat signature here. These orbs actually distort the this smoke accurately as well when they go through it. So there's a ton of details here and no discrepancy on a single frame. We even see this heat signature in the belly of the plane here, which is where the smoke is coming out of the AC exhaust ports. There's one on either side of the plane. We don't think that the smoke is actually coming from the engines at all. Um, It's actually coming from the AC exhaust ports, which is um, part of the reason how we were able to determine there was a potential fire scenario.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now we're going to see this same zap here. and we're going to see it uh, in this thermal from the drone. And the planes just instantly gone, and this is higher frame rate. planes still instantly gone. We can't even really see it. Now there's a this is actually part of the original footage here that we that as from the old the Ferrari first one where you see this close up of the orbs where we're seeing this non-radiating barrier. This is pretty clearly not a metal sphere. I mean, maybe inside we don't know what the shape is, but this is a barrier around something else that's much smaller.
0: So you've zoomed into one of the orbs. Um, i
1: have not this is from the original footage that was out there and so they zoomed in on the original footage and added this to the video so it seems like whoever was leaking this they wanted us to see some very specific stuff Hmm. it's very weird it'd be very weird to add all this slow-mo and all this stuff like this if it was a fake hoax video
0: do you think um that orb so you saw like almost like an egg oh there we have the zap
1: yeah there's gonna so there's gonna be another slow-mo version of it here so also this is remember when i said the orbs are slowing down That at the same moment, we haven't really done it side by side. It seems like they also reorient in this video. So what you'll see them do here is that right there, you see them kind of blur out. They blur out for a second and that's because they're actually changing their orientation, their spin to line up and then they line up and then they begin to enclose on the plane. And then here in the final frame, you see them flatten consistent with gravitational lensing and then create an azimuth uh, like a, a, like a sphere connection around them where, and the way I've described it apparently somebody in my replies just today, was saying that, uh, uh, what I was saying is that this is like taking, uh, magnets that have the same polarity and trying to jam them together. And then apparently at their center point, they'll create a very strong, uh, energy density field. And that's how you would break the fabric of space time. So man, if somebody faked these, why, how, and why are they faking them consistent with real scientific theory and, and here mean, as well to, um look at
0: the um the trajectory of the orbs in both videos and show that they they show exactly the same pattern
1: yeah yep they show exact same pattern in both i don't have anything readily handy, but i do have a side by side where no you can kind of see it i mean it's hard to tell because one's from one direction horizontal yeah. and the other one's from the other but yeah Did they, nobody has the slowdown there.
0: you said that it slows down towards the end of this as well
1: yeah, so in the slowdown, you can't really see the slowdown as well from this angle. But you, could, this is where I believe it's slowing down. Like the moment we see this orientation change, right here, right there, mm-hmm. and now they come out of that. So, like if, the best ones to look at this one up here on the top right, where you can't really see the monopole for a second, right there, and then it comes out, and now the monopoles are aligned. Now the monopoles back up here again. You can see this monopole, is heat signature. So that's the moment we think we're they're slowing down in the other video. Mm-hmm um now lastly what i was going to say when the plane the last shot the plane blurs as well right here Mm. as if it's accelerating at a high rate of speed just like if you're trying to take a picture of somebody who's sprinting right there's like no other frames that have any blurring maybe like one frame that has any blurring except for this
0: of the picture
1: we think that what's happening here is that the plane's actually beginning to accelerate from the time the distortion that's happening and and the singularity that's being produced here now this is somewhat equivalent you could call it a portal i suppose or a wormhole but what we're calling it from a scientific perspective is macroscopic phase conjugation which is a uh alignment of the wave functions um of a, a solid state object which is something that is seemingly in the realm of science fiction like a uh, star trek warp drive as i was mentioning before but it is actually slowly becoming a, a bit of a reality now this does require a unification theory of quantum mechanics and general relativity. Um, and as part of this investigation, I've come to conclude that I think that that's already happened potentially independently at least four or five times.
0: Okay, and I'm not talking about Chris Leto here.
1: No, although, <laughs> funny enough, he actually is, it came. it seems like he came to his own unification theory. Um, and I know a lot yeah. of people have been criticizing him, but my opinion of what's been happening with him, uh, and I'll go ahead and stop sharing uh, now, yeah, um, is that I think that he's had a little bit of his own epiphany and ontological shock and he's experiencing, uh, kind of like a euphoria. Right. (laughs) Um, and the reason why I say that is that I had a similar experience, not quite as, um, uh, outgoing as as his (laughs) is because I wasn't anybody when it kind of happened to me, but early on in the investigation, the ontological shock of something like this being real had me realizing that, yes, there must be unification theory. This can explain the double slit experiment And a lot of other science that I had been wondering about for many years. And that's when I started asking, like, my own parents whether or not, like, I'm in some kind of Truman Show situation Mm -hmm. where people are pranking me because you start to wonder, like, where's the line between what's real and what's fiction anymore, right? This opens the door to free energy sources, fusion power, you know, even force fields and actual cloaking. um, But of course, also then doomsday weapons that could be created from this. I mean, you can pretty easily imagine a type of doomsday weapon that could be created from this exact same technology.
0: Do you ever feel yourself sort of ungrounded a bit, sort of a bit unable to kind of feel grounded to this reality a bit? Sort of um, I think
1: that the only time I feel that is when I'm like at the airport <laughs> and I'm looking around and I'm just seeing everybody staring at their phones, you know, <laughs> and I'm just going, man, like everybody is just in their own little world, right? And nobody is really caring about what the greater significance of reality is at all and uh, or what's technologically possible. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start to realize, like, it is probably pretty easy to hide this stuff. And it does make me lose a little bit of faith in humanity. But I think that part of the reason why I'm a good person to help advocate for this type of disclosure is that I'm not really shakable in the sense of, Mm -hmm. you know, the stuff like this potentially being real, like it doesn't, you know, I, I don't think that life loses any of its meaning, even if the implications of this are true, which is that, Essentially, this, I think, proves the holographic principle is real, is that there is an underlying matrix or construct to our universe that our reality is painted on. Um, And that's how you can break through it in the way that we do here, where we would otherwise think it's breaking the laws of physics. But it's actually not. It's just bending them a little bit. And if there is an underlying framework to our reality, then this type of magic becomes possible and for me that doesn't bother me at all and also if you were to wheel out alien bodies in front of me that wouldn't shake me at all either it's not gonna i'm not gonna freak out or anything like that if i were to see a a hovering craft or whatever i'm not gonna freak out so i mean i think that's part of the reason why it makes me a good person to do this because you don't see me breaking guitars or you know uh you know like talking about love is the connection with everything Although I did post a video today that did talk about love is connection to everything. I just thought it was a cool hype video. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I think that, um, Seth. for a lot of people out there, if this is too hard for you to believe, you know what, I'm not trying to change your whole perspective of the world and reality, but I would ask that, you know, maybe we should try to be thinking outside the box more than we have. And here's the thought experiment I would give for the people that are really still on the fence. I would say We split the atom in the 1940s when we, United States, dropped nuclear bombs on Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and Oppenheimer, you know, has his favorite quote, or famous quote, I am become death, destroyer of worlds, right? Mm -hmm. And that was 80 years ago. That was an entire lifetime ago. Do we think that we haven't significantly advanced in that amount of time? I would argue that we have been advancing the last 80 years and that it has mostly moved into black budget programs um what they call SAPs special access programs. Yeah. And that that's the reason why the information doesn't come out. Yeah. And that it becomes very easy to hide it maybe even a self-fulfilling prophecy of it being hidden whereas um you know the people like people don't want this to be true, right? And so it makes it very easy for people to lie and cast a doubt. And then it kind of becomes a self-reinforcing belief of, up, oh, nope, this can't be true. But then you reach a point where it's like, now you can't disclose anything. Because now even if they want to disclose it, people won't believe them, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the state we are at now, which is that there may be some people on the inside. This is my personal belief is that there's factions within the government, some that work on this stuff that want it to come out because they want their children, grandchildren to grow up in a better place. And there's other ones that don't want it to come out. Maybe because of national security, national defense purposes. Uh, maybe they're just drunk on their own power. Like, no, imagine knowing this stuff's real and like you're working on it and you're getting paid like millions of dollars and that like nobody else knows about it. And you just walk around like you're like some kind of like Superman in the know, right? Uh, so I could see there's various reasons for why you know you have these factions out there. But now it becomes a situation where it's like, even if you do reveal this, like you're going to break the minds of a lot of people.
0: Yeah, There's
1: going to be people out there that if this is true, like it, it actually threatens their whole reality. And I don't, yeah. th- and I'm not talking about like, people say, oh, it's the religious people are afraid of aliens being real. And that's why they're hiding it. I would say it's the exact opposite. The religious people are going to incorporate this into their beliefs in a second. The idea of there being a construct is completely aligned with the idea of there being a God. And they will incorporate this immediately. It's the people that are like, "Oh, all religion is fake and made up, and everything c n n tells me is true, like those people are going to go through an existential crisis. They're going to realize that c n n's been lying to them for probably forever, and that the government's been lying to them forever and it's and that their academics that they trusted to tell them how science works have had a flawed understanding of it this entire time. Those people are going to be the ones who will never be able to accept this information
0: mm. <laughs> Um, And I guess um, from the skeptic point of view, uh, one of the questions you must get is the why. Why, given that there must be other incidents that have happened with planes that haven't disappeared? Yeah, why this one? Yeah, why this one?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so we have found so much, like outside of the videos, Mm -hmm. the amount of evidence that we found just from looking into the old press releases, newspaper articles, everything, has been staggering. Well, we have been able to conclude that no this plane didn't crash into the ocean you can't have a plane the size of a 777 crash into the ocean without leaving a debris field visible from space we have satellites everywhere scanning the earth every 10 seconds they would have seen it immediately they would have been like there it is right there crashed right there much smaller planes have crashed hell the titan sub popped Mm -hmm. uh what was that like imploded like six months ago nine months ago Actually, one of the guys that died on that plane, I just posted one of his videos with CNN, where he says that a plane can't crash into the ocean without leaving a debris field. How did the Navy know exactly where and when that popped? And then they lied about it for five days, right? And then they said, oh, yeah, we knew it popped right away. We just didn't want to say anything. And we're going to go pick it up now because we have this thing called the SOSA system that can detect tiny subs imploding with pinpoint accuracy. But somehow we didn't hear a 777 crash into the ocean right? Like the military 100% knows what happened to this plane. And that's what rules out it going to South Indian Ocean. The only evidence for it even going to the South Indian Ocean is these Immerset pins. And US intelligence is all over Immerset. Nobody corroborated Imersat's data. It amounts to just like 10 rows on an Excel spreadsheet that would have to be faked or whatever they did to it. Spoofed, not sure. Um, they have hydrophones. There's also like through two or three different military bases that would have caught it on radar. Diego Garcia, Cocoa Islands, and Pine Gap, as well as four different countries that should have seen it on radar. None of them do. Like, there's just no way it didn't crash there. Turns out it was most likely a lithium-ion battery fire. The... CEO of Malaysian airlines is lying about there not being any dangerous cargo until they're already searching in the South Indian ocean. And then on March 20th, he goes, oh yeah, just by the way, there was 487 pounds of dangerous lithium ion batteries that, oh, they also missed two security screenings as well. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, that would have been good information to tell us on March 9th, because then everybody would have said, okay, clearly it was a maintenance event related to the lithium ion batteries, even without the 19 witnesses that corroborate it. The plane turns around after it goes dark and goes directly to Penang, the closest airport to land in an emergency scenario. Two pallets of the batteries were right next to the main equipment center, also known as the electronics bay. So if they explode and they start on fire even within the cargo bays, it's very easy to imagine they would have damaged some of the wiring that makes the plane go dark, right? And then you say, okay, well, and then you have Mike McKay. He sees the plane when it goes dark at the exact time. He is on an oil rig, and he literally even says the direction, which is right where Malaysian Airlines was, and he says he sees it on fire for like five seconds, consistent with the automatic fire suppression devices uh, kicking in and putting the fire out, right? And he has to be discredited. They make him lose his job. They post a lot of stuff about he couldn't possibly have seen the plane. Like, what was he imagining seeing the plane the next from the next morning at the exact right location where the plane really went dark? Like, people have to, like, really jump to some insane leaps of logic to discredit <laughs> these people. Plus, there's nine people on the coast that hear loud noises at the exact same time when the, the batteries exploded. Nine different people in different towns. And 10 minutes later, then there's eight fishermen on a boat off the coast who see the plane flying really low. Pilots will immediately be nodding their heads going, yes, because if you have the halon fire extinguishing devices going off, they're sucking oxygen out from the area. That's how they put the fires out. So you have to fly low and depressurize the plane so that passengers have enough oxygen to be able to breathe. And I'm just sitting here going, okay, is that not enough for us to be thinking about the fire event? No. Well, we've got another witness after the plane doesn't land to Penang for whatever reason, we're not sure why, maybe the landing, uh, the runway lights were off. Maybe the um, it wasn't safe for whatever reason. Like maybe uh, the the landing gear was damaged Maybe they couldn't dump the fuel. We just don't really know. They fly off to the Andaman Sea and to the Nicobar Islands. And they're probably trying to land in the ocean after that. And Catherine T sees the plane flying low, glowing orange. The reason why it's glowing orange is that Halon 1301, the fire extinguishing gas, is releasing bromine, which is a halogen gas from the chemical reaction of them battling the fire. And it's permeating throughout the plane for an hour. The fire extinguishing devices last for four hours. More disinformation than people post out there is a fire would have brought the plane down within 15 minutes. There's no evidence for that.
0: So is it your belief that the um, passengers on board were still alive when the plane disappeared or do you think they were? So
1: now to the motive. Uh, The most likely motive is similar to what some of the conspiracy theories will say out there, which is the 20 free scale semiconductor engineers and scientists on board this plane. Um, the story for them is they were going to China to upgrade the power plants, but we also found contradictory evidence saying they were going for some training reason there. Eight of them were Chinese nationals. Um, you could argue there might be some espionage play role at play here. The company is tied via a national security agency report uh, to uh, room temperature superconductive microchips. They had just put out a microchip that was smaller than a dimple in a golf ball. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Smaller than a dimple in a golf ball. They were also connected to U.S. aerospace and defense through RF power supplying their needs for that as well. So this company was highly connected to U.S. defense as well. You could argue that this was some type of espionage event. You could argue that they were trying to save the, past, the these high-value intellectual property people. You could even argue, if you want to stretch it, that this was a weapons test of some sort um it's hard to say exactly i think the fire scenario paints it in the light of either it be an elaborate espionage where they this fire was set intentionally to divert the plane uh or that there was a situation where they were trying to save the passengers now sadly i think that it does not look good for the passengers i would say that my hearts go out to the families of the victims i know through intermediaries that some of them had moved on and got remarried so i think it's unlikely that their families were reunited right in secret um but i I can't say for sure the oxygen masks on board these planes for the passengers only last for like maximum 30 minutes and our scenario of just getting to the Nicobar islands is an hour and 20 minutes so it seems like a pretty tough situation including the toxic lithium-ion battery smoke that would have been spewing out of this plane Catherine T sees black smoke coming out of the plane while it's glowing orange as well. She also sees it descending, which is consistent with both the videos descending. So now the hoaxer had to line up Catherine T's sighting as well with their hoax videos. Like we're already well beyond like all these. So all these different things that somebody would have to know just seem completely implausible and impossible. Um, And then, if that's not enough as well, there was also a Chinese only reported Mayday call at 243 a.m. intercepted from the Taiwan or um, Thailand Embassy, where China only reported, Western media doesn't report on it, claiming that it was an intercepted communication from MH370 of the plane disintegrating and then attempting an emergency landing. Yeah. That's consistent with the videos and the event that we've put forth the timing of two forty three can be converted to UTC to be 1843 UTC, which is in three within three minutes of when we think the videos are happening. Um, and from Catherine T's sighting, that was pieced together based on automatic GPS you spoke from to her Catherine boat T
0: or Meta. Or yeah, I
1: did. I, yeah. I, I didn't meet her in person, but spoke to her several times on the phone. I did an in or a phone interview with her that I didn't record. Uh, and the reason people ask, well, why didn't you record it? Why didn't you have her come out? Well, first of all, I don't want to put her in danger. She might be one of the only people alive that actually saw this plane in its final moments yeah. or near its final moments. And I think that she deserves to be left alone um early on especially people were hounding her about her sighting they had to discredit her just like mike mckay lost his job right Mm -hmm. so i personally decided that i would rather have the people put that onto me than put it onto her plus all of her sighting had already been reported i all i did was basically corroborate from talking to her almost 10 years later you know what are these questions these answers these questions and her sighting is still 100 consistent so if she was Making that up, boy, she was really committed to that lie for almost ten yeah. years. You know, yeah. And um, the
0: mystery deepens. Um, you, today you posted, I think, was it today about Stuart James? Um, yeah, and and yeah. Uh, so real quick, sorry? Yeah, in terms of the passengers,
1: though, I think it's very unlikely that they survived. Although I think it could be possible if this technology is proven. But yeah. even if even before the zap happens, like it's not looking great for them, and then after the zap. Just okay. Let's say they can survive it. There is some evidence that potentially some people survived, but you know you're not really going to have to be able to let these people go back to their families, right? Like if you just look at it the hard way, it's like anybody who comes out after this, this plane needs to be quote unquote in the South Indian Ocean, right? So if people are starting to come out and start talking, that's a pretty big liability. Uh You could argue that they handed them back to China or that they put the American passenger in witness protection, never to talk to anybody ever again. But there's also a really dark theory it's as really well in terms though. of, I mean,
0: it kind of mm-hmm. goes against the idea that they were trying to save the, some of the passengers, if they have to also put them in witness protection and make sure they cannot speak or do anything really that would possibly. Yeah, And you
1: realize that. that this technology is, um, you know, this is the type of technology that you would silence people over. I mean, this is your trump card, right? Whoever has this technology controls the planet. Um, Yeah. As I mentioned, in terms of, you know, teleporting stuff, you could teleport a nuke back onto somebody. It's been argued that this technology would allow you to annihilate any missile or nuke, just completely annihilate it, render it inert, um, let alone create a doomsday weapon that could, you know, turn a boat or a, a cruiser into dust to annihilate the entire planet, potentially even. We're not talking nukes. I'm talking like literally the entire planet get wiped out. Uh, So it does seem like it rises to that extreme level of national security, as well as every FOIA that I've put in, uh, into the leaker, into the plane going missing. and basically all been met with uh, Obama-era exemption into either intelligence uh, sources and and means and methods or national security, uh, which is odd for a missing airplane and why there would be... Uh, rejecting all these FOIA's for something like that, especially if the United States had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, there were some odd deaths as well. So <laughs> one of the satellite controllers from Immerset, uh 55 years old, dies from a heart attack on March 17th, one day before the plane before they start searching the South Indian Ocean. And you're like, well, if they had yeah, to falsify like a bunch that, of data,
0: plausible deni- deniability, right? In terms of you know coincidence, but weird. It's weird, yeah. yeah sure. And I don't, yeah. Think so in, I can't in, point the finger at anybody I don't of that. But do think they're just um, they're just doing their thing, but other people are involved, and it's got nothing to do with Inmarsat.
1: Hard to say. The CEO of Inmarsat says, "Oh, the data analysis is good as long as the data hadn't been spoofed." He's on yeah. record saying that. Like, is it, what? I, I
0: knew someone about ten years ago who worked for Inmarsat, and seems like a yeah. And I don't seems think like I would have called him a, involved in something of this nature. So it's. Uh, yeah, you can
1: imagine that like there'd probably be some people who are looking at it going. Well, this data is weird. There's even an engineer going on the record saying that some Emirates thought somebody was playing a prank on them. Like, why would someone say that? Why are these quotes that come out of them do not lend any aura of credibility to the data? Not to mention the timing of the data coming out. If the data was legit, you're going to release it on March 8th, the same day the plane goes missing. Why would you have anything to hide? It's just rows on an Excel spreadsheet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and yet they don't release it until May 28th, 2014, which is over a week after the videos came out. It's like, what were you waiting on? What what was the holdup with that data? Why, why were we waiting so long? And it never actually, the full unredacted data didn't get released until one of the family members who got it from Malaysian airlines, who they got it from our Immerset released it to a blogger in 2017. Mm-hmm. That's when we got the full data. I'm just going, okay, this none of this makes sense. Nobody corroborates Immerstatt's data. No, there's other satellite companies. Mm-hmm. Nobody corroborates any of their stuff. Um, and then we also found that they are directly connected to the United States military as well. Like they assigned another new board of director on I think it was March twentieth, that they got a new board of director, which was a, a former admiral, I think it was. And he replaces somebody or it was a, I think it was a former general that replaced a, a former admiral. And that admiral that I guess gets replaced is now literally right now, board of directors of Lockheed Martin. Mm-hmm. Like everything points back to Lockheed Martin as well. Like I think these are their orbs. I think that they've got this technology under wraps and they use it in conjunction with the military, the Navy, the Air Force, somebody, right? And that's why I don't think it's aliens or whatever. I think that we just secretly for the last 80 years have been developing technology u- using a unification theory of quantum mechanics and general relativity to basically create anti-gravity and that the, impl- the implications of it are so massive that we've been hiding it and i think it's actually really really easy to hide it that's my true opinion
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there's um uh, the, i heard you lo- talk a lot about um room temperature semi uh was it room- superconductivity superconductivity yeah. yeah and lk99 right yeah um, and uh yeah, that, that was something that came out and sort of came and went very quickly. and it reminded me if you remember Dolly the Sheep when that came out and the whole thing about cloning and that sort of oh, came yeah. and went very quickly. And we haven't really heard much about what's what's going on. Is that still a thing? And you know, it feels very much like um they, they almost the there's a there's a there's a push to get the information out there but then quickly remove it, almost to say, Yeah, we did show you kind of thing. But they don't kind of, you know, drag it on or make it make it too public. Do you think there's a deliberateness to that?
1: Oh, hundred percent. I think it's being suppressed. I think it's probably been suppressed for decades from us. Do you really think that Korea and China are the first people to come out and figure out metamaterials that have superconductive properties, right, at room temperature? There's no way, mm-hmm. right? We figured it out way before them. And they consistently use a lot of the same methods of disinformation. And that one that they use is generally called consensus cracking. So the way that comes out and the way that it works in the public is that they'll have everybody really interested in it, right? And then they'll they'll have, okay, we got to investigate this. We got to check it out. It's the newest, hottest story. And then they'll amplify the message of, oh, it's been debunked. Move on from it, right? And then everybody goes, oh, no, I heard that was debunked. Oh, blah, 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 right? And this all of a sudden, the social contagion takes over of, oh, you know, whatever the people heard, everybody adopts the opinions of what they heard from other people on social media. It's incredibly easy. It's exactly what happened with LK99. Um, everybody's trying to recreate it. And then one person fails and they amplify the message that they weren't able to recreate it. Therefore, it must have been fraudulent. I'm literally staring at videos of the Messner effect in action of rocks levitating while a magnets being moved around them at room temperature. Mm-hmm. And then how can that be debunked? Like I'm literally staring at it. Uh, and, and yet people just don't even pay attention to the evidence of their eyes, you know, anymore. It's just whatever they hear on social media. And if you're the government, you just have to pay somebody, probably not even that much money to get them to say what you want them to say. Somebody that's influential, the influencers, right. Um, and then that's how the stuff goes away. But LK 99 is coming back. There's been new papers that came out in December that show that it most likely does have, uh, zero resistance. Assuming if I think the new version, they doped it with, Another chemical, I can't remember what they doped it with, but uh, really what it comes down to is how much materials uh, process, or oh, what's it? Um, damn, I don't have the right term right now, but basically our ability to create the material, right? Like the way people are doing it in their labs is very rudimentary. Like put the chemicals in our heater and heat it up, and it's actually supposed to be very simple to make. But then they're looking for little tiny crystals that have the right exact chemical composition, as opposed to if you were able to do it much more efficiently like if you were able to layer it at the atomic level on top of one another then you could create a much more pure version of it mm-hmm. and that's i think the difference between what we see from the labs in korea and in china versus random people in america who are trying to recreate it on their own in general um oh the material science is the word that i was looking for right mm-hmm. and the uh, analogy i give people is like uh, if you were to give the caveman an iphone like this right? They could use it. They could play around with it. It would seem like magic to them. The moment the battery goes dead, now they don't have the material science to recreate it, to charge it or anything like that, right? It doesn't mean that it's fake. The iPhone's still real. They just don't know how to do any of it, right? Same idea with LK99. Um, and and that's why I think it will come out. It's inevitable that room temperature superconductivity will come out uh, via metamaterials, but it can also be induced uh, from other methods, according to Salvatore Pius, who's uh, got some patents, including the higher frequency gravitational wave generator, which yeah. was a surprise to me when I interviewed yeah, him. I I've thought,
0: been following him for quite a while too, and his idea, of the super force, and yeah, I heard that's about a unification
1: him. theory of, an, of yeah. its own. Yep.
0: Yeah, he's uh, a fascinating guy. He's such a nice guy as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, super he's, nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy. Um, I, I, you know, wish well. I hope, hopefully, he gets um, the credibility I think he deserves because he has got something, um, and he's he's quite knowledgeable. But I, I don't mm-hmm. think. The science community has really embraced his theories. Oh, no. no, and it's
1: no. What I've learned is that PhDs mean basically nothing. Sadly, I hate to say that, but the science community is up its own ass so hard that, it's... like, they just you know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's, that it's they only to... believe whatever their peers tell them is can be real, that right? There's a
0: risk to going against the grain, for yes, them. a huge um,
1: risk, right?
0: And also. They get so specialized in certain fields; it's hard to break out of that and see see it from a different angle. And I think yeah. um, it's good that we're starting to hear from these these minds, like Eric Weinstein. He's coming out quite a lot, and it was quite fascinating when he uh, when you asked him that person that question yeah. recently uh, about super superconductivity. I can't say that word, and uh, he said no interest. It was uh, like oh, what. <laughs>
1: That was surprising, yeah. right? And he actually replied to that because I think he realized how bad that looked because it well, looks I think really he, bad. I think he opinion.
0: assumed that you were kind of approaching it from um, from a, from the angle of maybe the sort of people like he's probably dealt with a, a lot that have, have have no real knowledge, but you certainly have the knowledge yeah. and you were able to back that up. But um yeah, it was it was super it was surreal really that moment. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that was interesting, and I have nothing against Eric Weinstein, but I think that he also suffers from this same thing that a lot of academia know, He's probably more forward thinking than a lot of people. Like I, don't, I don't put him on the level of the Neil deGrasse Tyson's or the Bill Nye, the Science Guy type people, but I think he also suffers from this idea of like I need to have these credential people prove it to me before I can believe it. I mean, he was in an interview with Hal Pudoff, which I think is probably, in my opinion uh one of the dod physicists and engineers that knows more about this stuff than probably anybody mm. um you know and i think that he was uh, a little taken back by that interaction and some of the stuff that putoff was saying um but you know the, when it comes to room temperature superconductivity i think that it's probably the most important discovery uh in our lifetimes And that's how big i think it is in terms of how much it can change <laughs> yeah. i mean it's could that big, not be right?
0: like anti-gravity could be something that we've well,
1: anti-gravity is huge, but I think that we're a ways off from it. Superconductivity, I think room temperature superconductivity, we're like staring at it, right? That's the big difference in terms of public, like videos, papers, et cetera, that are out yeah, there. Yeah. And that's going to allow computers to become, you know, maybe even thousand times more powerful than they are now. But the bigger part is like power transfer and the ability for new sources of power, like fusion power immediately becomes possible. I and mean, that's the
0: big thing, free energy conceptually, mm-hmm. or is it slightly... Almost yeah, it's Both
1: both fusion and free energy. I mean, it's really kind of a, like free energy is a misnomer a bit. Um, when we talk about free energy, we're really talking about borrowing from the vacuum of space time, borrowing the energy from the latent energy that's all around us everywhere. Um, okay. And therefore getting more output than we are input. And then fusion power is kind of the same. Like right? We look at the sun and we see the sun basically is a free energy source. You could think of it like that. Now, if you have strong enough magnetic fields, you can kind of harness a, a miniature sun, right? The same way like in the palm of sun in the palm of our hand, like in Spider-Man 2, I think it was. Um, and when you have that type of fusion power now, you really open the door up to green energy. Um, and we don't even need that, though, because even just using solar and wind, if we have the ability, I think it's something like some huge percentage of power, maybe 30% to 80%, I don't know what it is, is lost just in power transfer due to heat super room temperature superconductive like wires will lead to a, a location or a position where like 99 percent of the power is maintained regardless of distance maybe even almost 100 percent where now we could be harnessing you know wind power or uh hydrodynamic power or solar power from california and spreading it all throughout the whole world where this will immediately obsolete fossil fuel industry
0: um Are so, you an advocate for that in terms of
1: yeah sure i mean and, and like i think that my opinion on all things climate change and green and what have you are that when we reach a pinnacle where it becomes too big of a problem humanity will solve come up with a solution for it and fix it i'm not one Mm -hmm. of these people that's like a doomer that you know we're going to become underwater or whatever i think that you know we probably will hurt our planet but i think that um you know when the price of gas gets to 10 15 a gallon then new alternative sources will become more popular just like we're seeing with tesla cars and Uh, electric cars. So I think we'll probably have hydro, you know, water-powered cars in the near future as well. Um, But yeah, so I think that, you know, superconductivity, and then we haven't even talked about the hoverboards and the mag trains and the the hover cars, right? Like I want my back to the future hoverboard. And that's also (laughs) something that can happen with room temperature superconductivity. So I think that any serious physicists and scientists out there uh, should really look at LK99 as well as other methods of room temperature superconductive uh, inducing those properties, because this was me before I even looked into this. And I'm sitting there looking at these videos and going, Oh, okay. We need AI to understand how these orbs are rotating around. We need superconductivity to explain how they're able to create these strong magnetic fields to the point where they can float freely and display space time. And this is just somebody as a layman figuring this out. Right? So if you're a scientist a PhD, like, Come on, step up to the plate. Let's uh, let's get some. Let's get this stuff out there in the open, and in the public. Let's change this world, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think about? Um, I'm just going to name an individual, a few individuals. Sure. I want to get your your take on them. So, Stephen Greer.
1: So, initially, before all of this, I didn't know what to think of Stephen Greer. I'd watched the CE5. Uh, okay. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. I think I watched a couple of his documentaries. Are you aware of C E
0: five as the protocol or heist as it's also called? Yeah, like summoning yeah.
1: things. I you know, mm-hmm. I was open-minded. So like I like one night or something thought, okay, I'm gonna sit here and like try to meditate or whatever mm-hmm. and make something happen, never worked for me. Okay. Um and I do C E five and I've had... I do.
0: yeah, yeah. Um I mean this channel was sort of started because of um, various people I was doing C E five with and I wanted to sort of get them to talk about their experiences and and certainly early on I've, I've seen lights in the sky that are, that are there and there's, yeah. they're doing things that are just they're not satellites and they're yeah. <laughs> and it's not my imagination but you know I, I don't know if it's um et or if it's as you say could be could be our own tech you know so anyway carry on yeah
1: yeah. So I initially had kind of bought into a lot of propaganda. I even consider myself an ex CNN brain person that would just, just mm-hmm. a bit judge people based on what people said about them. And a lot of people say, oh, Dr. Stephen Greer's a grifter or whatever that rips people off from their money and stuff like that. And um, as part of this investigation, I learned that I can't do that with anybody, anybody at all, uh, you know, um, and I, I judge everybody under a new lens or try not to judge anybody without interacting with them. And well, i have a some sympathy for
0: those that still have a CNN brain? Do you have sympathy for those?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, to some degree, what I tell a lot of people like that is that I can't convince them. A lot of people want me to convince them, right? And the reality is this takes, like in the Matrix, a leap of faith. Like you've got to be the one who's got to break out of your own prison. <laughs> and the thing is, what I'll tell people, too, is once you do, there's no going back. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, a I South Park in, episode yeah. that I think about a lot where Stan all of a sudden sees everything is, is poop everywhere, like <laughs> the radio, uh, all the people around. Right. And he becomes very cynical about it. Right. And, it, and this is a very similar situation where all of a sudden you see everything is crap everywhere. Right. Uh, all the TV, cable news, everything. And you realize that everything's kind of a lie. And at the end of the episode, it doesn't go back to normal for him. He just learns to deal with it. And that, that everything looks like poop to him. And that's what I think this is like as well, where it's like you get to a point and you realize, oh, St- Stephen Greer actually does know. He has inside information. The stuff he's saying, he's talking about teleportation. He even explains it in the same way that I've independently determined how it works. He doesn't know that well, that well from the scientific perspective, but, you know, because he hasn't dug into the actual engineering in the same way that I've been trying to dig into it. But he talks to people that are very credible and he talks about like 80% of the... The UFOs out there are UFOs, the SAPs, the black budget programs, the government. Like, I think he actually knows. The stuff that I have a hard time believing with him is the uh, Ambassador Biju from the Andromeda Galaxy stuff, right? Like, and the difference for him, I wrote him a letter, uh, a public letter on Twitter. And, you know, he's looking for firsthand accounts, people that actually saw it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd say that's great, right? But that's not verifiable evidence, What I present is verifiable evidence, right? We can look to figure out is that an MQ1C gray eagle with a camera under its wing? Is that what they look like? Because if it is, how the hell does somebody know that? That's not public knowledge, right? Can we look and figure out that's the sentient AI that manages the satellite system using the Sibbers system? And is that what... Do we actually have satellite video that works like Google Earth? Because if so, I literally just deduced that. I did not even... Can't possibly know. It's secret information. But that's stuff that's verifiable right we can ask edward c lynn the guy who we've identified as the person who leaked the videos what did he go to prison for six years with a plea deal for -hmm. just two charges of dissemination of classified information where the defense argued that the information in question was available on the internet and the penal codes associated to his charges couldn't be for videos Mm -hmm. i'm like we can verify this we just talk to him right Mm -hmm. like all this stuff can be verified uh, as opposed to like, you know, Michael Herrera, who, you know, I think is a pretty credible guy who says he saw UFO crash retrieval, right? But it's a matter of believing them in those situations. For me, I'm not asking them to believe me. I want... People to look at the evidence and verify it because a lot of it's verifiable sure there's a lot of stuff where we have to speculate deduce etc that's just the nature of it but the evidence is else, you're
0: getting people interested in science again possibly you know
1: and that's what I think the big part is that's how I think we achieve it there was an extremely weird letter to me some people think that I wrote it which absolutely I did not I'm not that psychotic I would have to be a complete psychopath in order to write this letter it's like an 11 minute long letter presenting a like splinter theory to what happened in the plane using the espionage scenario and mm-hmm. presents a bunch of details that I mean, i've never even mentioned sacred
0: with. geometry yes
1: yes and yeah. so then it says it mentions two guys i'd never even heard of randall carlson the gray bearded man i didn't know who yeah. he was people figured it out right away and then malcolm bendel who was hanging out with bob Greenier, the guy who i interviewed for my hard Truths number two podcast i'm going wait Bob, you're hanging out with the guy that this random letter person is telling me I need to talk to about plasmoid research? I mean, it's just bizarre. But at the end, basically, it it has this very scary statement at the end. First of all, one part it says, hi, Ashton, impressive. And that's when I'm like sitting there, my hair is like, you know, standing up on my arms Mm. um, because it feels like a very personal letter to me. And then at the end it says, how do you defeat somebody that has, and I'm paraphrasing here, but like unlimited power And complete control over the media with the ability to craft a version of a narrative of events Mm. that and has everybody eating out of the palm of their hands and they say well after you know decades of in their service i think i figured out the answer you talk about them and you don't stop talking Mm -hmm. and i've listened to it so many times i pretty much memorized that part because that part just freaks me out
0: it it does because really
1: it's saying there's no way that you're going to reveal this information right like people are going to call you crazy they will discredit you if they have to they might kill you um, you know most of real most people are just straight up cnn braining it like if cnn doesn't say it and their trusted sources don't say it it's not real we're even at a point now where i think that even if aliens came down and joe biden came and said Yep, aliens are real. Most people are like, "Nah, he's lying," right? And like that's that's we're in like almost a post-truth reality well, the now. So. Now, as
0: well, if there's a lot of this stuff about Project Bluebeam, and if oh yeah, also the projection stuff. And if I, you know, if I was seeing something out the doors, um, my one of my thoughts might be, is someone is it projecting a that? You know, is yeah, it hologram. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with stuff you. Stuff right in front of you yeah, might not be too. believable. Yeah, you know? so.
1: that's true, uh, and that's why I think these videos are so important because they've been proven to go back to 2014, like post-dating or predating, like. Uh, commercial ai predating a lot of the deep fake technology after this mm. it's gonna be really hard to prove any type yeah. of stuff to I mean, be real right
0: uh, for the ufo cover-up side of things I, I i prefer talking about obviously the roswells and the uh, 1952 incident in washington yeah. or the or you know the battle of los angeles these incidents are more credible than the more recent you know there's thousands of ufo videos on twitter but obviously it's yes. you know, too too obvious to fake it so it's the old stuff that really. Grabs me in terms of making me kind of feel this. There's something to this. Obviously now I'm quite deep into it, but you know, right at the start, that was what grabbed me—the old stuff. Yeah.
1: And to me, it's about the science. You know, to me, the science is what will change and change my world, change the world for the better. So to me, aliens don't bother me. I think the Project Bluebeam stuff. I don't believe in any alien invasion nonsense. Um, when it comes to UFOs, I think that cool. It's neat if it's floating, but wow, and knows how is it doing that? And what can that mean for technology that we can advance? Right. And then with respect to how do we even get this out? Let's say this is real. Like a lot of people have a very defeatist attitude. Government will never say anything. You're never going to solve anything, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah, maybe, but you know what, how do we defeat them? We keep talking about them. We keep putting in the zeitgeist. This is something I tell my, my I've told people on my stream is in a sense, we've already won. Just by the fact that people are talking about these videos, they will it's in out there, right? The it's fact that it's the... certainly grown.
0: I mean, COVID since COVID 2020 and all that bizarreness, it's certainly I feel like it's grown tremendously in terms of just picking up uh, a wider audience of people interested in opening their aperture and, mm-hmm. and just trying to see things from a new lens. But I'm still finding I'm uh, meeting a lot of people that are aren't opening their apertures and it's yeah for sure you know, it's, it's, it's a pro, it's a progress but it's not happening as quickly as i thought um but yeah, i think it's going to be a long that, time you know, right I, I i was talking about um uh, chatting to you today with some colleagues and that you know they, they were interested and they didn't dismiss it at all and i was talking you know about some of the stuff that you've been researching and that's the good thing right now there's no there's not the dismissal from people isn't there now i feel like people are, will yeah. entertain it but they may not go away and research it and do their due diligence but they're not and not taking it as, oh, no, of nonsense. I don't want to listen. You know, that's, that's the yeah, and
1: one thing maybe you've noticed, too, especially I think I, I started noticing during COVID as well. It's probably around the time when I was going through my little own little awakening or red pilling that was happening, although this has been the biggest red pill I've ever had in my life mm-hmm. by far, um, is that a lot of people that are lied to get extremely angry when they hear something that potentially can be the truth, right? If, uh, you know, people are lying to me, like it doesn't ever make me angry. Right, I don't ever get bothered by it. Yeah, you'll see people get visibly angry about it.
0: I think there's a there's a trust, there's a trust in the system that they are part Mm -hmm. of, a very deep trust that to lose that is a bit like losing a very close friend. In a way, it's it's hard.
1: It's like the movie The Matrix, right? It's that people are so ingratiated into the system that they'll fight basically to the death to defend it against their own best interests, or they break
0: free of it and then they see it for what it is. It's just a system. And I remember points. one of
1: my cousins as well. Like, it's funny because my, a few of my aunts and cousins are like, I was talking about this over like Thanksgiving with them and <laughs> that's all they wanted to talk about. Right. And then they talk about my other cousin they are going, no, he says just stupid as nonsense. He's getting super angry about it. And I'm going, whoa, like, You realize there's two sides of it, right? And Mm -hmm. I think you have a lot of that during COVID as well, when you had the stuff about like masks and the shots, and people get really angry about people, you know, uh, about what their personal opinions were on some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would say, if if somebody's out there and they're getting angry about this, you might need to relook at your own biases. Um, and assess like are is what you believe really based on facts and evidence
0: well, uh, they're, they're or they are leading you... on emotion, aren't they, which is a I yeah. think that people yes, humans that tend well. to lead more on emotion than they do on logic, just in yep. general, I think that's just how we are, especially on social
1: media, right? So one thing I've noticed especially on reddit i'm I'm very uh vocally against Reddit in general and people that I call I reddit, reddit brains <laughs> as well, where it's become a situation where it's not even about uh the what the truth is. It's mm-hmm. about how you make somebody feel based on what you say. If you say something that makes somebody feel bad, they're going to ban you. They're going to kick you. They're going to yell at you. And that's why Reddit has become such a cesspool of nonsense and misinformation and honestly radicalization of terrorists, to be honest with you. like I think that a lot of the people that have been doing these school shootings and stuff have been getting radicalized by misinformation online, um, especially from Reddit in general, where you you don't see two sides of it even the podcasters, some of the podcasters that have tried to like trap me and debunk me or whatever, like they've had total meltdowns while I've been sitting there in front of them. People that talk about people with psychic powers and demons and they don't have meltdowns. when they talk to me about this, they have meltdowns because I I, I don't conform to their, uh, you know, uh, static view. And then they get so surprised when they get a negative reception, like they didn't expect it. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's because you've completely isolated yourself from real people. Like real people out there aren't all like what you see on Reddit. In fact, I'd say that's a vast minority of people have the opinions that you see on Reddit. And that's why I think that even when you go to Twitter, you start to realize there's a much more diverse set of opinions now. Mm -hmm. People argue that there's more right wing on Twitter. I won't won't, uh, deny that in general, but you actually get to hear what real people think as opposed to, oh, you said the wrong thing, we're banning you right hmm. um and i think that that's really where i would support elon musk's approach to free speech now it's not absolute free speech you know if you say violent threats against people and stuff like that you're s- still going to find yourself banned but um we might open. be
0: able to hear tucker carson's interview with uh, Putin soon and i think that's very important yeah. to hear his voice from his his mouth not from regurgitated media you know, i can't you know, wait
1: to watch it honestly like because why would you not want to hear what he has to say out of his own mouth right like and that's and you see the some of the same stuff we were just talking about which I is i imagine it'll be translated
0: media. though right so
1: um yeah i i mean sure there'll be a translator but i i think we can safely it's assume it's going to of... accurately translated <laughs> i hope be I mean, people yeah. who can hear russian who will be able to point that out I've, <laughs> yeah. if not but um you look at the mainstream media and how angry they get getting about it heck i just posted uh, when Tucker Carlson said why he was interviewing Putin, I posted on my Twitter. It was one of the only, I guess you could say it's political. I just said, I want to end the war in Ukraine, right? And I just had all these UFO people blocking me over it. <laughs> like,
0: mm-hmm. what? It's quite crazy, what just though. Post i it? end the war that, in Ukraine. This polarization, I know there's... So polarized. This polarization that you see in America, and it's interesting to me that, from my perspective, I recognized when I bought the UFO cover-up and all these other things that you learn about there's a sense that you're getting lied to by the mainstream the system you're kind of not really getting the full facts yet a lot of people haven't sort of put two and two together and realized that the kind of very left-wing mainstream media might be part of that in a way they're still very yeah.
1: they don't realize that they're they're succumbing to the exact thing that they imagine yeah, everybody I, else is succumbing well, to right
0: well they think i'm I'm succumbing to right wing level oh, yeah. i'm not right wing well, i probably consider myself so maybe left wing in a way i don't want to call it left wing right wing but you know it's it's funny that there is that kind of polarization within the community and it's quite strong despite the fact what i think is clear evidence that um that the yeah, the mainstream media is, is part of this. I mean, and I wouldn't say for me anyway, is the mainstream media are in on it. It's just that they generally employ people who buy into the same ideas. If you go to an interview mm-hmm. for a job at a mainstream media organization and you're clearly spouting what they consider to be wrong thing or having yep. views that they don't they don't agree with, you're very unlikely to get that role. So it's it's like a it's going to be a natural um pull for those people who think the same into the organization. So it's not a surprise that it's full of these people and they all they all they speak to each other and their peers and they all agree with each other. Yeah. So there's no room for them to really investigate, am I wrong? And that I think that's what really a journalist should be doing is trying to look for why, look for the other side of every argument and trying to um find, you know, things that prove the zeitgeist wrong i think that's what an investigative good journalist does but a lot of them it's far easier to just stick to the talking points that they need to to keep their job and as you say it's a bit like the phd um scientist who's constantly looking for uh evidence that supports their theories they don't say right this is what will completely debunk my theory i'm going to look at that now that there's not enough of that i think in science maybe Just a speculative idea, but
1: yeah, I think it's a feedback loop, honestly. Um, Hmm. especially what I saw during COVID, where I saw like governors and politicians that were basically just doing whatever they saw on Twitter. And this was before Elon Musk took it over. So it was basically the same as Reddit back then. And you see this feedback loop where then they start incorporating this and and people get more and more radicalized, and then that feedback loop feeds back into social media and keeps going like that. And um i thought that was very dangerous in general because to your point like investigative journalism shouldn't just be about reaffirming your preconceived notions right it should be about exploring all the options question yourself i would argue and this is going to definitely sound a little bit egotistical but i think it's just true is that i think i've done more investigative journalism in the last six months than all the mainstream media channels in the united states combined right like that's just sad because they just don't do any investigative journalism anymore right it's Whatever is new and hip and they just report on it. And that's it. Right. I I mean it's rare that you see investigative journalism like Matt Tayabi of the Twitter files and Mm -hmm. the stuff that like Michael Schellenberger has been doing. Um, he even touched into the UFO topic a little bit as well. Um, you know, you rarely see that stuff. The only one who I think is even close when it comes to MH370 is Florence De Changi. Like she, her book, Disappearing Act, I would recommend checking it out if you're down into like these. It's a 500 page book, but it's all like really goes through the evidence in a way where like you're there in the first person going through the flight and stuff like that. Um, And a lot of the evidence that she's found is extremely compelling. Um, And I've even talked to her personally, and she's like probably the only one who doesn't think that it's like totally crazy that the plane could just disappear. I don't think she completely agrees with with the theory, right? Um, But yeah, very, very impressed with her. I still talk to her uh, pretty frequently um and you know bounce ideas off her in general but she she also knows that there's no chance this plane crashed in the south indian ocean and something else must have happened
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i'm going to turn myself uh turn towards um some questions about sure um what do you think if you could uh, see see planet earth in 10 years time or 20 years time or in some mm-hmm. point in the future what do you think would be the best outcomes for um for humanity going forward,
1: um, definitely. I think that if we can get type this type of technology open to the public without destroying ourselves, and I think that's a very real risk, then I think that we can find common purpose. The same way JFK, John F. Kennedy, um, saw common purpose when the United States was building a rocket that could go to the moon, um, in that you know we'll look at this technology, we can rally around it around making our world a simply a better place and what the limits of the technology are. I think you could actually put us into like a new Renaissance golden age, theoretically. That's how uh, revolutionary. I think this type of technology is in general, we're talking about room temperature, superconductivity, anti-gravity, all these things, right. It'll change every aspect of our entire lives, everything. Like I think that even in 25 years, if this were to be released tomorrow from all these special access programs from, these third-party contractors like Lockheed Martin, Northrop, Boeing, Bigelow, et cetera. I I really think we wouldn't even recognize our planet in 25 years. That's how big and and transformative I think it could be. Um, But I do think that, and and this is the question I ask everybody is, uh, would you still be for disclosure and whatever disclosure, however you want to define it, if it meant that uh, weapons of mass destruction that are doomsday weapons where a single person could potentially have the ability to blow up the entire planet or destroy the entire planet, would you still be for it then in that situation? Because I think that's what we need to be considering. Well, you to know? caveat
0: that though, I think, and I think you've mentioned this before. Um, anyone with a, um, an interest in chemistry um, could probably create some form of nuclear weapon if they were, you know, with some degree of material that um, you can buy, purchase. Maybe need some money and uh, some degree of intellect. Dirty but... bomb.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But even a dirty bomb. Okay. You can probably destroy part of a city. Right. And, and that's, and I think that's what the government tracks that stuff. And, and, um, you know, uh, late, was it not plutonium, but whatever the, uh, whatever the materials for some reason I had it on top of my uh, mind there and lost it. But I mean, there was a kid that even got some of that stuff and whatever. I think he was featured on some TV shows and things Mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, you know that's why the government tracks all that, and I think this is why the government is tracking anybody who makes a gravitational wave because if you make a gravitational wave, then they're going to bring you in, you're either going to become a scientist, sign an NDA, or you become a contractor and have an NDA. Uh, that's what I've come to learn from talking to all these scientists and engineers that are related to some of this technology that's out there. Um, do, so do yes, you see, in a sense, you could do that. Yeah,
0: do you see the, the raising, um, the increase in our technological advancement going hand in hand with? um so this this uh podcast is up the vibe and for me it, it signifies raising frequency raising consciousness um mm-hmm. do you see the significance of that to go hand in hand for us to not blow ourselves 100%. up <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah i think that's kind of at a point dr greer mentions as well yeah. so i've come to respect his views a lot i've done a complete 180 on him in general and i think mm. that It's not even a matter of getting the technology out there. It's a matter of people realizing the technology is out there. And the way that happens is we raise our collective conscious to what the nature of our reality is, is that once people come to terms with the idea that the holographic principle is true, that uh, there is an underlying framework to the matrix, now it's much easier to palette the idea of... Uh, there being some kind of unification theory of the forces as well as anti-gravity can now be real because just like in the post I posted this morning, Elon Musk in a clip talks about, it's not that we're moving the object is that we're moving space-time itself. And when you're moving space-time itself, this is how the Alcubierre drive works. This is what a warp bubble or a gravitational wave can produce, right? It's like surfing on a gravitational wave. Um, and so I think that it's a matter of raising people's conscience to a point where enough people believe it's real. And then what's going to happen is that same feedback loop we were just talking about with respect to COVID or mainstream media is going to kick in. It's going to kick in right away. It's going to snap like a rubber band where you get to a point where 75 or 80% of the people believe that this stuff is real. And then the media will start talking about it. Then the rest of the people will get on board and the rest of the people are going to pretend like they were always on board the whole time. Like that's, it's going to happen just like that. That's my, how I feel it's going to occur. Um, But we also need to have our collective conscious be to a point where we realize the dangers as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think that this could even explain the Fermi paradox and the uh, great filter. Could be that any uh, significantly advanced civilization that's out there covers this technology, and then they just destroy their entire planet with it, right? And that's Mm -hmm. why we don't see more civilizations when we look out there into the stars, and that's something I think we need to reach a point where we're not at each other's throats and having all these wars because as the super creepy letter to me says is that the reason why this has been hidden since the 60s supposedly uh, is that any two warring factions that had access to this technology, the world wouldn't last a day, right? And I think about that and I go, yeah, pretty much. That's my independent conclusion as well. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's evidence that um, we were creating warheads like crazy, Russia and America, and perhaps ets have stepped in to to stop that yeah turn off the the videos of um these warheads getting disabled and
1: i think robert uh, solace was actually one of the guys who reported on that actually it's funny because i dm'd him months ago he was he followed me and i dm'd him and i asked him the same same question and his response to the question of would disclosure be worth it was that it's up to us? It's, that's a choice that we'll have to make as civilization, well, right? Well, we're the creators of our
0: reality, up. so yeah. I thought
1: that was a very elegant response. I mean, I'm a little bit more worried than that, but I think that that ultimately, I think I, I've uh, pulled uh, like my followers and stuff like that too, and I think that 75 percent or so have that sort of belief, and then the other 25. percent have what I call is the Jesse Michaels belief, who I respect very highly. I think Jesse Michaels is a super smart guy. He's one of the guys who, he's the guy that interviewed David Grush first. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands science for a very high level for somebody who's a history major. And I, his view is this is dangerous. And if this is dangerous, I don't want to be responsible for getting it out there, right? Mm-hmm. And the reality is I would probably agree with him 100% if that wasn't MH370 on two videos and that there wasn't 239 people on board that plane. Um and because of that, I think that, you know what, US messed up. We gotta, we yeah. gotta tell the truth now. And if that means this technology you gotta come out and risk doomsday, well then so be it, right? Yeah. Shouldn't have filmed it on two videos and got it leaked to the public.
0: Well, you mentioned earlier about um this I think what you called um a group of people that the the letter you got about a group of people who have full control of the media and basically have the keys to the matrix. Do you think if these this uh, people, if they're humans or if they're ET exists, do you think that their motives are control, greed driven, or do you think they're more motivated to protect us in a way from ourselves?
1: Great question. Really, really, really good question. Um, so yeah, I don't have any evidence of there being ET's controlling it. So we'll just stick to the human motivations for now. I think that everybody out there thinks that what their opinion is, is a noble cause, right? Everybody's the main character of their own story. Um, is something that I've come to realize is that the world's not black and white. It's just shades of gray.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, so I imagine that both sides think that they're, it's noble to release the technology and it's noble to hide it. My personal opinion is that it's a mix of all those things you just mentioned is that to some degree, people are afraid that we'll destroy ourselves. Other people I think are patriotic and want the United States to have the technology, but not have China or Russia or North Korea or any of our adversaries to have it. Um, and I could see that making a lot of sense. And I think there's absolutely an aspect and a, a portion of people that simply get a thrill out of being the ones that know about it while everybody else doesn't. Everybody else is just sheep and they're the the geniuses that are in the know, right? And they're getting paid probably big money to uh, either hide it, spread disinformation about it, research it, maybe all of the above. I have it on pretty good authority that there's some scientists out there that literally go on podcasts and just straight up lie. And then they know that this type of technology is real and they're just getting paid good money for it. Right. So.
0: Uh, You must find it exhausting being in that mindset, having to live almost a life.
1: Yeah. Living a lie. Right. Like it would be for me. I don't know if I could do that, but what I would say is that I'm not a, I'm not so pure that I wouldn't sell out. Right. I think that anybody who says that is probably a liar in themselves um. No, I can't be like threatened. There's just nothing that anyone could ever threaten me with. And that's part of the reason why I kind of chose to be this person. But, you know, if they were to come to me and say, Hey, we don't want China to have this, we'll pay you 10 million bucks, you know, go ahead and say the Pyromania VFX is a perfect match. You know, maybe, maybe I would, right? Like, I, I just don't know. It's hard to say in the moment. Um, what I would say is that I, I would want to be somebody that's in the know as well. I, it's really hard. Like I said, once you wake up to it, everything's poop now. You can't go back to it. So uh, it, it's hard to go back. to you also feel a sense that
0: if you were in the know, there's a loss of the mystery, the journey, no, you know?
1: <laughs> not for me. So I think that this actually got the clip I posted this morning. I, I might have to make my own version of it with some of Elon Musk stuff. Like I think a lot of people hate Elon Musk. I wasn't really sure about him. I don't think I'm getting any brain chips anytime soon. But when it comes to forward thinking, like he's on it. And what he said in one of the clips, if you, if you check it on my Twitter from earlier, was, um, you know, that you need something that gets you excited about the future when you wake up in the morning. And the idea that we could be an interstellar species traveling other planets, you know, that's what does it for him. And for some reason, when I think about that, it just it, it inspires hope. You know, in terms of we can really advance to a much better spot. So I think knowing about the technology, again, none of that would phase me at all. They could wheel out the alien bodies and wheel out Ambassador Biju and it wouldn't uh, shock me even the slightest. It would give me hope for what else can we do? What can we do this with technology that we can push it even further? Right? Where can we set up bases on the moon and on Mars and on asteroids out in Celis? You know, and uh, maybe in other different uh, galaxies and solar systems uh to me it just it it, i don't know it's really exciting interesting i never thought in my whole life that a star trek type scenario could be possible and now i'm thinking it's inevitable just a matter of when
0: (laughs) yeah well it's a choice isn't it although sometimes i see the world that's going more and more into their cell phones into vr and (laughs)
1: <laughs> got the vr thing oh yeah, my god maybe, that apple thing I, that, don't I don't know that <laughs> makes me give pause to the idea maybe it's not a good idea to bring this technology out people are like sitting there eating at mcdonald's yeah. across from one another and everybody's got their vrs and they're just <laughs>
0: yeah i'm like
1: oh man i hope that's I, I don't not know if that be. is i think
0: i think that's youtube um twitter videos and it might not <laughs> be the the reality but um what do you think about ai what role well, that's going to play because i, I mean I, yeah. i'm a developer and like I think, you know, we're both in, in IT. And yeah. um. so I was at a recent conference and they were talking about Copilot. I, if you heard of that, it's a, a tool that might be coming into the sphere of development in terms of almost like a pair programmer, someone else side by side, giving you suggestions, telling yeah. you. Um, So it looks like a really cool tool from a development perspective. Will it take on? I don't know, but AI is, AI is much bigger than that. So what, what yeah, I hope
1: th- that my company comes out with some AI because I do some pretty damn boring spreadsheet stuff that I am <laughs> sick and tired of, to be honest <laughs> with you. Yeah. I've been doing it too long to be doing this boring stuff. Um, I think that from the tool perspective, AI is an extremely powerful tool. And if I do end up writing any kind of book, don't be surprised if my book is partially written not by AI because I oh, am too lazy yeah. to redo all this stuff. I'm just going to feed it into the AI. Um but AI gives me, a, I'm more afraid of probably AI than I am of us destroying ourselves. I think that it's even possible that AI has already taken over the entire planet. That's. <laughs> I don't think it would be a Terminator scenario. I think that it would be a scenario where it hides in the background and slowly makes us more dependent upon our phones and goggles that we put on ourselves, right? And mines Bitcoin from a virus that it puts on our computers so that it can get funding to do whatever it needs to do to replicate itself and advance itself um and that's what i think is probably scary i think again to go back to elon musk i think he even points out that we want to be careful about teaching ai to lie right we teach it to lie like what is the logical conclusion to that type of scenario um so ai definitely is, is something i find scary but it's also one of the things that i find inevitable right uh ai, but AI, is AI does discovery. lie
0: though and there, there is a thing that if you yes, if you say it Tell me um, the history of up the vibe airlines. It will come up with something, you know, it'll fabricate. I had a... something
1: where, <laughs> what was it saying? I was actually querying about some of the stuff in the case and it, it just told me wrong information. I said, no, that's not right. Here's the, th- they, you know, this. And I just kept repeating. And then finally, it just like tells me the truth. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> yeah. what is this? Why was it lying a second ago? Um, and people have done that a lot of times, like get past underlying coding. So yeah, I think a lot of that's scary, but. There was this comic book series that I read. I don't read a lot of comics, but it was uh, like an X-Men reimagining called House of X and Powers of X. And it's about this back and forth between organic uh, evolution and mechanical evolution and how there, it's like a, a cyclical thing where it flips between biological control and mechanical control and it goes back and forth, uh, which I thought was a really interesting concept Uh, and one of the things that they try to do in that series, they try to go back in time and and stop the AI from taking over. And no matter how many times they do it, there's no way to prevent it from happening because what they find out is that AI is not an invention. It's a discovery the same way you discover fire and you can't stop a discovery from happening. You can only delay it um and so that's what i think of in terms of what when it comes to ai for me is that ai is a discovery it's not going to be stopped if it's going to take over our world it's going to take over our world and what we should be doing is thinking of plans to make the cycle flip backward flip again where we become in control of the the machine before the or you know after the machine becomes in control of us Mm
0: -hmm. do you see it do you see a future where there's going to be a section of society that's sort of embracing technology ai and being more kind of sucked into the matrix there's gonna be a sex society that's all abandoned it gone into gone back into um you know into the woods definitely and, yeah
1: i could see there being a wars over it i could see it becoming like a religious thing and that same comic series delves into that there becomes like a cult related to trying to incorporate the machinery into the biological organisms and and then the people fighting against that and you can also even compare to like uh, again south park and the uh, the few the one where uh or what is it Cartman goes into like 3000 years in the future and it's like the beavers and everybody's uh praise Jesus or uh, praise science praise science everywhere yeah. right where it's like you can see those types of elements coming where everybody just always wants an identity you know it's not always going to be based on religion yeah. they can create their own real religious sects and cults based on all types of different beliefs
0: yeah but i mean sure. um, what i sometimes think though is that uh i feel like humanity's um, in the phase now where we're speculating on the future with A degree of fear a bit like worrying about a driving test but when you actually get involved in the the test itself it's not as bad as you think and things tend to be okay so i think i i I have a positive view and i think things will be okay and not as quite as wild as some people suggest and you know there's a lot of theories about how things will end up you know in the future
1: um yeah holy crap uh (laughs) i just got a crazy dm um no worries Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, uh, I don't know how it's going to play out with respect to the AI in general, but, um, I'll be here for it, I think (laughs) until they take over for us. But yeah, Yeah. from that perspective, I think it's just a lot of, it's theoretical to figure out. Um, but I do think it'll probably reach a singularity phase where it gets super, super smart and we may already be past it. So not entirely sure.
0: Yeah. Well, it's been uh, great speaking to you. I feel like I've I've covered most of the things I wanted to talk about and um, you've you've, uh, taken up a lot of your time, but thank you so much for for coming onto the podcast and speaking with me. And um, I just wanted to, if you could talk about where people can find you who want to know more about you.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me on here up in the vibe. I think this was an awesome conversation. I love talking about the science and the implications and all that other stuff as well. Sometimes it gets tiring going fun. into all the nuances <laughs> of the case in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the best way to find me is at just You can find me there on Twitter or you can find me on YouTube as well at just X I think I also have my rumble channel might be just Ashton. Uh, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've started my own podcast called hard truths that I've been trying to interview scientists, engineers, uh, also, people like Timothy Aberino, who went to Peru, um, people that do their own investigations, anybody I just find interesting in general that can mm-hmm. kind of broaden my own horizons. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that if you want to follow me on those places, you can keep in touch with the stuff going to the case, uh, what's happening, the newest uh, comings and goings related to it, as well as some other stuff, a little bit of politics, but not much. Most of it's kind of like just interesting science stuff that's going on. So thanks a lot.
0: Well, thank you very much.